Come on, hey, before you're seated, make some noise if you're excited to be in church. Hey, don't be sitting down on us quite yet. If you're able, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Hit your neighbor and ask him, are you expectant? Are you expectant? I learned something after following Jesus for a while that expectation is kind of half the fun of following Jesus. There's just something about expectation that can kind of change the trajectory of your life. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible. Lean to your neighbor and tell him impossible, impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, impossible. There's something about faith that is necessary to have expectation for your life and for my life. Sometimes it's easy to look at people's lives that are around us and have expectation for them. We can see the best in them, call forth the best in them. But, but for me, like, could God really do something great in my life? And there's just something about expectation that requires faith. It requires an ability for you to say, God, I know me. Like, I know me and all of my weakness and all my insecurity and all my dysfunction, but I'm just going to muster up enough faith to have some expectation that in this moment you could do something in my life. Expectation is half the fun of following Jesus because Jesus just happens to be in the business of using people that are unqualified. Some of the people that Jesus used to change the trajectory of the human race were some of the most disqualified in our eyes. And I just want to start this service at all of our locations around the world, wherever, what city you're watching this from. I wonder if you would just raise your level of expectation for what God could do in your life in this moment. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and so I just believe that some of you even out of routine are here to diligently seek God and I'm just wondering could you just lean in a little bit and expect God to reward you like I think there's there's just people in maybe all of our locations you've been kind of on the fence you've been a little bit iffy about whether or not you should go all in with this Jesus thing and I'm just hopeful that this weekend some of you go man I'm just going to have enough expectation that God could use me and I'm going to go all in I'm just going to try it I'm just going to see if this thing actually works Some of you have had a call of God on your life but you've been saying no you've been pushing the pause button and my hope is that you would just go all in this weekend some of you have been battling insecurities and patterns and addictions. My hope is that this weekend, some of you go all in and go, I'm just going to put my faith, hope, and trust that Jesus is the solution, not the well that I've been running to. My hope is that expectation would rise in this place. And if you're not expecting, I promise you, somebody on your row is just crazy enough to be expecting for you. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. <laughs> Red Rocks at all of our locations. Can we keep this applause going while we welcome all of our family at Littleton and Lakewood, Arvada, God Behind Bars, Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas. Come on, make some noise like you want to be in church. Before you're seated, give five people a high five and make sure that they're expecting. Ask them, are you expectant?
There's some solid contact at Littleton. Know how to give some high fives in this place. If you got your Bible, open up to Luke 15. We've been in this chapter um, for a little while now, a few weeks. We're kind of giving the heartbeat of our church, and this heartbeat of our church really came out of a few stories that Jesus was giving to some people that would just listen to his stories. This story in particular that we're going to spend some more time in is the story of the prodigal son. And if you've been coming here for a while, you're, you might be familiar with it. Um, but it's a, it's a really famous story throughout history. And I want to start reading today in Luke 15, starting in the 11th verse. And it says this. And he said, leaned your neighbor and said, that's what he said. <laughs> this is referring to Jesus. That's what he said. Said there was a man who had two sons. Verse 12 says, and the younger of them said to his father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. So the father divided his property between them. Verse 13 says, not many days later, not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had. He took it and then he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Verse 14 says, and then when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. Ever, ever have something go wrong and then more goes wrong? Like stuff's wrong and then it gets wronger, -er, you know what I mean? It's what happens to this guy. He's like, can this get any worse? I spend everything I have and now a famine. Really? Verse 15, so he went and hired himself, a.k.a. He sold himself into slavery to one of the citizens in that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16 says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. Help a brother out. Verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. The title of my message this weekend is home is better. Home is better. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I just pray that in these next few moments, God, as we look to your word, God, your word says that as we sit under your word, God, it will bear fruit. It will not return back to us void, but it will accomplish that which you purposed it to do. And so, God, today, as we look to your word, would you accomplish what you purposed when you told us this narrative? Would you encourage us today, Jesus? We love you. We praise you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen, amen, amen. I have a, I got to start with a confession, the Bible says, confess your sins to one another, because that's where you find healing. I, I grew up northwest Indiana. I'm one of eight kids, and uh, we grew up watching Hallmark videos. Anybody watch, a, anybody watch a Hallmark video before? Littleton likes Hallmark videos. Jesus, help us. One of the things though, that I kind of grew up enjoying about Hallmark videos is pretty much all of the narratives are all the same. 
It's like, it's like a, a person that's kind of got it all going together and something takes a turn for the worse. They lose it all. They get this change of perspective and then everything comes back to them. And the best thing that they gained out of this is a new perspective. Like it's, it's just different characters, but the same exact plot line. It's kind of like a country song. Everyone is about the same thing, but there's just something you got to like about a country song. Brussels, you got to listen to country music. You're, you're missing out. You're missing out. But there's just something about a comeback story. But you see somebody that seems to have it all together. It falls apart and their life comes back together. And they get this newfound perspective. It's just kind of endearing. And it does something to the human heart, right? I remember having a moment with my brother. We were, uh, I was about 17 years old. He's two years younger than me. His name is Jojo. Gives you a glimpse into my family. My brother Jojo and I are sitting there. And uh, we grew up, like I said, it's about, it's eight, about eight kids. <laughs> Who knows how many kids we had in my family? It's about eight. Um, eight kids in my family. We were, we were pastor's kids. We grew up in the Midwest, Northwest Indiana. We, we, we were homeschooled. Shout out to all the homeschoolers. Like my life, <laughs> I was just a loser from day one, right? We had a 15-passenger van, and so it was just always awesome when you were getting dropped off at, like, your friend's house for the sleepovers. You're, you're opening up the, the, the double doors and stepping out of the stairs and waving by to your homeschool bus as it leaves. <laughs> like, that was my life. And my brother and I, we had just left church, and we heard this amazing testimony. This guy had been in and out of prison, drug addict, drug seller. He was a gangbanger, had been a part of a, sh a couple shootings. He, he actually had beaten one of his wives and was put into prison. Like, this guy had a rough story. And he came to our church shortly after getting released and, and shared his testimony about how God had turned his life around, and now he was in the ministry, and he was helping addicts, and it was amazing. It's amazing stuff. And I remember hearing this guy talk about Jesus with more conviction than I had ever heard in my entire life. And so after service, I remember we were sitting in my old Grand Am, shout out Pontiac, and we were, we were sitting there and I was leaning over to my brother and I'm like, man, I wish we had a testimony like that. Like this guy, this guy talked with some fervency, like this guy talked as though he was like all sold out for Jesus. And, and, and I, I just knew that I had a bunch of compromise in my life and I made the assumption if I just had a testimony, if I had a comeback story like this dude, I probably wouldn't deal with all the compromises in my life like I feel right now. And so my brother and I, pastor's kids, grew up in a Christian family, like the worst thing I ever did was steal quarters to buy a Snickers out of a vending machine, like, you know, roughing it. <laughs> and we just sat there, and I, I remember feeling like, man, if I could just have a story like him, I bet I wouldn't feel so gray. I bet I wouldn't feel so lukewarm. And so I remember Luke looking at my brother, and I'm like, man, we need to go get ourselves a testimony. What a Christian thing to say. I'm like, let's go out and let's do some drugs or something. <laughs> let's rob a place, you know, like, like, let's, let's make, let's go big and see what God can do. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is dumb. And I remember just feeling like we need a testimony because when I get a testimony, get saved from some stuff, then I'll be all in. I wish I had a testimony. A few years later, I, I, 
I didn't know this at the time, but I would get some of my testimony stories. I'd go through some hard times. I'd go through some really rough patches. I'd go through some addictions. I'd go through some suicidal tendencies and thoughts. I'd go through some depression. I'd go through some anxiety. Anybody know what it's like to go through some of those things? Like, I would go through some of those struggles, but there was something in me that just said, if I could just have a comeback story... Like, this would be different. I wouldn't be so wishy-washy. And this story of the prodigal son is this unbelievable story of a comeback. And this story has spoken to my life on many different occasions. And here's why. This son, this prodigal son, he reaches this dilemma that every single Christ follower is going to come into contact with. And it's this dilemma that asks, is it, is it, is it better to stay with the father or is it better to go try to find what I'm looking for out there? Like, is it, is it really better to do this thing Jesus' way? Or, or, or can, I, can I go to church on Sundays and, and then sleep around the rest of the week? Like, like, like can I go to church on Sundays and then, and then do I have to lean on getting hammered every night of the week just so that I don't feel the anxiety and the depression and the weight and the guilt and of the shame of my life? Like, like whoa. Is it better to stay with the Father? Or do I have to get what I'm looking for out there? If you open your Bibles, let's continue reading this story of the prodigal son. And I want to start off by taking a look in verse 13. Because something jumped out at me as I was studying this. Verse 13 starts off a different way than I was expecting. A different way than I had read this many, many, many times before. And it says this, not many days later. Not many days later, so the son has just received his divided portion of his father's estate, his inheritance, and it says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. He took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. The thing that jumped out to me was not many days later. When I read this story previously, I used to think that the, that the son came up to his dad after he had kind of like met with his you know, travel advisor or something like that and was like, hey, dad, I need some money, so I'm going to need a portion of your inheritance so that I can go and do this unbelievable trip. Like I thought that it was like he had a plan, he, 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 he diverged the plan, and then he went to his dad and was like, dad, I need some money. But it, when I started reading this, I started noticing something different. He actually received his inheritance, and then it says... Some days later, some days later, he, he, he got together his stuff and sought out to a faraway country. This, this guy receives an inheritance. He receives, he kind of wins the lottery, if you will. And then he creates his plan. A lot of the times, many of us feel this deficiency inside of us that if we just had some, some more resources, we would go and do the things that God was really calling us to do. Like if I, have, if I have more of what I'm lacking, I could go and I could, I could really do this thing right. Like I could live a little bit more carelessly. I could live free. I could, I could reduce my anxiety and my worries and my stress. But this guy receives this portion of his inheritance. And then it says a few days later, he decides, I'm going to put my stuff together. And I'm like, I'm going to go do this thing. There was something about receiving an inheritance, something about receiving money that didn't make him better, if you know this story. It just exposed him for who he was. 
I wonder if we could just maybe learn something about this man's tendency and his desires. Could it be that maybe what you are desiring, the, the, the one day, someday, if I could get this, life would be better. I wonder if that wouldn't make you better, but that would just expose you for who you really are. It says, not many days later, he gathered his stuff. And then it says, and there, in the far country, he squandered his property in reckless living. Can I ask you a question? How do you squander your property in reckless living? Like, I've, not, I've, I've talked with a lot of you, and no one's ever come up to me and said, my brother's really going through a hard time. He's, he's squandered his property in reckless living. <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, he squandered his property in reckless living. We don't use that. It's not part of our vernacular. But, but the way that you squander your property in reckless living is you take all that you have of value and you sell it off for temporary pleasure. Here's what this guy does. He takes all of his inheritance, everything that is worth something significant, and he goes, hey, I'm gonna sell this to the highest bidder. I just need some fast cash. Like, I'm Craigslist in this thing so that I can go to Sin City and do it up. That's how you squander your property, what is valuable for reckless living. This is a picture of Sin, sin is selling or trading things of value for temporal pleasure. Sin is saying yes to things that are lesser while rejecting things that are better. A lot of us go into this Christian life and we go, man, this whole Christian thing is cool, but I gotta say no to all the really fun things. Have you ever felt that? Like, man, this is tough because all the fun things that I really want to go do, all my friends are out there having a blast, a time of their life, and I got to say no to them because dad says so. I got to say no to better things so that I get all these other things and get heaven forever and all that sort of stuff. But that's not what the picture is that we're about to see here in just a few seconds. Sin is trading things of value, selling things for value and selling them to spend it on things that are pleasure for a moment. I love what James 1:14 says. This tells us something about temptation. This guy receives an inheritance and something billows up inside of him. It says this, temptation comes from our own desires. I'm gonna read that first part again. Temptation in you, in me, comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Here's something that's really interesting because for a very, 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 very long time, I was stuck in some patterns of sin, just praying, Satan, stop tempting me. Stop, stop, stop luring me to this sin. And when you stop luring me, then I'll be able to say yes to the things of God. And I read this verse and went, oh my goodness, I'm sinning because I like it. Like I'm sinning because there's something in me that just goes, oh, I like that. Make me feel good. Oh man, it just makes me feel loved just for, a, just for a moment, but it makes me feel loved. It makes me feel valued. It makes me feel pleasure. Like, ah. Oh. It wasn't necessarily that it was the enemy that was attacking me. It was that all he had to do was appeal to my own desire. I sin because I want to. And he goes on to say, 
that that is what drags us away. And verse 15 says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And then when sin is allowed to grow, who allows sin to grow? Raise your hand. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I want to read this because we're about to see this on the big screen. Like we're about to see this aired on public television for all to see through this guy's life. That our temptation comes from our own desires. And if we allow our desires to grow, it'll produce sin. And sin will always produce death. Think about this story through this lens because sin will always strip you of life. Luke 15, 14, the story continues. And it says, when he had spent everything, say everything. Everything. When he had spent everything, every single penny, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. This guy spends everything. But what the Bible will tell us is this guy was in need long before he spent everything. This guy, the reason that he is without possessions, without money, without resources, is because he had wrong desires to begin with. This guy was broke and poor and alone, not because there was a drought and because he spent everything. This guy was broke and poor and alone because he had desires that were sinful. Isn't it funny how your sin and my sin It seems to take from every area of our life. Statistics will say that over 70% of Christian men struggle or are addicted to pornography. If you've ever struggled with pornography, it will sever and tear and tarnish every single relationship in your life. Sin is not a respecter of persons. It will take from everything that it can. If you've ever met somebody that's an addict, you know this to be true. That This one thing that they're addicted to can rob them of every single area in their life. It will steal from their relationships. It will steal all of their possessions. They will be broke. Some will be homeless. They will be completely alone. Because sin robs you of life and provision. It will steal from you. Every single time. And the Bible continues on in verse 15. And it says, so after he lost everything, he went and he hired himself out. AKA he sold himself into slavery. Talk about at rock bottom. He sold himself out to one of the citizens of that country who then sent him out to the fields to feed pigs. Some of us are like, oh man, dirty jobs, right? Like he's out there putting slop in the, in the feed troughs and he's cleaning up poop and he's just in the mud and gross. He's like, it's, gross. it's a dirty job. But culturally, this would be much more heightened than just wallowing with some pigs. Pigs were deemed unclean. And during this time, Mosaic law would say that if you would interact, if you would be around pigs, you would be unclean. And actually, people in your community, people in your family had the right to murder you. Who loves bacon? Raise a hand. During this time, this was a lot different than just having having to do a dirty job or a job he didn't want to do. This had huge implications. 
This guy, because of his desires for sin, led him to the point where he deserved death. James 1 is on display for us. His desires gave birth to death. Verse 16 says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one would give him anything. He's out there going like, I'll eat anything. Like, I'm so, I'll eat kale. Like, I'll eat tofu. Like, I'm just hungry. Right? And, he's, and it doesn't say while he was there, wallowing with the pigs, he just desired a steak with his dad. Isn't that weird? He didn't just say, oh, man, I could really go for some of mom's meatloaf. It's so good. It says that he longed for the pods that the pigs ate. Sin does something to us. It, it changes what we desire. We, we, we go from desiring things that are truly appetizing, things that will truly nourish us, and we wallow with the pigs, just longing to just scrap by and eat what the pigs eat. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you're just like, oh, I, don't, I don't know why I'm still here. I don't know why I'm still struggling with this same thing. I don't, I don't know why I, I want to look at this again. I don't know why I want to drink this again. I don't know why I want to take this again. I don't know why I want to go and sleep with another person when I'm married. I don't know why I keep wanting to do this. I want to eat what the pigs eat. But then it says that no one gave him anything. Friends, that's because sin cannot and will not be able to satisfy you, period. There's something that Jesus is wanting to articulate to people that are like us, humans. We desire things that we shouldn't, and the Bible says it will lead to our destruction. Oftentimes we think, me following Jesus, like I have to say no to all the fun things. I gotta, I gotta say no to all the things that I really wanna do. The Bible's gonna be very clear. No, the things that you desire oftentimes lead to death and more death. You will long for the things that the pigs eat, but here this man is eating by the trough. And what happens next is amazing because this guy is at the lowest of low. This guy is like, there's no returning for me. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that feeling is real. Sitting by the trough and he's going, I just kill to eat some of that. <laughs> what I would do to just have something that, can satisfy and fulfill me. Just doesn't even have to be good. I just fill my stomach. But it was at that low point where the grace of God collides with this man. I love what Romans 5.20 says. <laughs> Read this with me. It says, God's law, this is the rules within the Old Testament, God's law was given to us so that all people could see how sinful they were. That's why he gave us the law, to show us we need help. Like, we need a savior. We need somebody to fix this. We can't fix ourselves. But it says, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. 
Verse 21 says, so just as sin ruled over the people and brought them to death, remember, sinful desires gives birth to death. It says, now the wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God, and watch this, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. This man is at his lowest of low. He is eating with the pigs. And watch what the Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 15. It says, but when he came to himself, all of a sudden, this guy, when he came to himself, some of your translations say, when he came to his senses, like he's just sitting there and he goes, oh, whoa, Ah, I just came to my senses. Why did he come to his senses? I believe that he had his lowest point when, when sin kept on piling on top of sin. The grace of God became more and more generous, so much so that he just went, my goodness. I just came to my senses. The grace of God collides with this man. And look what he says. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough? Say more than enough. Like you really mean it. Say more than enough. More than enough enough bread, but I perish. Death brought forth from sin, but I perish here with hunger. When he came to his senses, when God's grace collided with this man, He didn't say, man, I've sinned against God. (laughs) I got to go home and make my relationship right. He goes, I'm hungry and dad's got food. Like it's like the most selfish, you know, turning around like, ah, dad's got food. Go back to mom and dad's house, right? Some of you are going, my kid's doing that. They need to get out, you know. (laughs) This guy, God appeals towards his selfishness. This is going to play with some of your minds. But, but, but in this moment, he doesn't go, I got to go make my relationship right because that's the churchy Bible Christian thing to do. He says, I'm hungry and dad's got food. I'm hungry. I'm going back home. I'm hungry. Mom's making meatloaf, right? Like I got to get back home because I'm hungry. He doesn't say, I got to make the relationship right. I want to lean in to tell you this. When I figure this out, it's why I get so excited and spit on everybody. (laughs) He realized in this moment, all of his selfish desires to be loved and needed and satisfied could only be found by going home to the father. So here's this man. You can clap for that. When I found out in the pinnacle of my sin, in the lowest part of my life, riddled with addiction, when I found out that the most selfish thing that I could do is go all in with Jesus Christ, when I found out that the most selfish thing that I could ever do was actually go all in following the commands of Jesus, it it changed my life forever. Jesus appeals towards our selfishness. He says, listen, if you just realize that actually the best way to live, like the most rewarding way to live, isn't going out and wallowing with the pigs, living in sin. The most rewarding way to live on planet Earth is through walking with Jesus Christ. So he says, go home. 
That's where the food is. For some of you, the most selfish thing you could do is go, I'm just going to believe everything in this bucket. Because you'll find that when you go all in with this story, everything in your life will change. I love what John 10, 10 says. Read this. He, he says a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal and slaughter and destroy. But then he says, but I, this is Jesus, says, I come to give you everything, everything in abundance. That word everything means everything that your soul truly longs for. I came to give it to you in abundance. And he says, more than you expect. It's like, I'm going to shock you. Like, this is going to be so good. You're going to be like, whoa. whoa. Like, I wasn't expecting that much. I wasn't expecting you to be so generous. He said to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. And watch, he says, life in its fullness until you overflow the most selfish thing that you can do in your entire life is go all in with Jesus. Yet some of us are just going, is it really worth it? This is pretty good. And I'm just going, Jesus went to the greatest extent ever to just tell you like this thing is so worth it. It's so rewarding. If you would just go all in, I promise you every one of your selfish human desires for belonging and significance and satisfaction and deep lasting love would be satisfied if you would just go home because at home it's better. I mean, at home, it's better. With Jesus, it's better. And look what it says in verse 20. The prodigal son, it says that he, he arose and he came to his father. But it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. Can I tell you something? The father, I don't believe, was sitting there because he's going, I just miss my kid. I think that was a part of it. But I think that the father knows something that the kid didn't know. He knew that eventually the pleasure's gonna run out. He knew eventually you're gonna, you're gonna run out of resources. You're gonna exhaust yourself trying to satisfy something that will never, ever, ever, ever be fulfilled. And he goes, so any day he's gonna come back. Any day they're gonna come back to me because they're just gonna realize that I'm just better. Like following Jesus is just better. It's just more rewarding. I'm telling you, following Jesus has been the most selfish thing I've ever done. Every time I obey what he says for me to do, every time I lay my life down, I get more life. Every time I encourage somebody else, the Bible says that you in turn will be refreshed. So I just encourage people because I'm like, I'm going to get refreshed. I love you, but this is for me too. Like when I lose my life, the Bible says that I gain it. When, I, when I'm generous, the Lord says that he will reap generous blessings upon me so much so that you can never outgive God. Every time I lean into the truth of God's word, if I really believe it, all you got to do is come to your senses because it's just better. Home, friends, is better. But do you believe it? Jesus is better 
Do you believe it? Going through a lot of life. Coming to church buildings, but not believing it. He's better. There's a story by Max Lucado. He's an author. He tells a story of these two women, and I want to read it for you. It's a little bit long, so if someone starts dozing off, nod them, punch them, you know, karate chop them in their throat, do something to keep them awake. It's a real story, and it, and it kind of communicates this whole story, I think, that we're trying to communicate to our church about this amazing God. So if you want, you can close your eyes. Just don't fall asleep. Follow along with me as I read this story to you. And I hope that it's a blessing to you like it was to me. It says, the small house was simple but adequate. It consisted of one large room on a dusty street. Its red-tiled roof was one of many in this poor neighborhood on the outskirts of a Brazilian village. It was a comfortable home. Maria and her daughter, Christina, had done what they could to add color to the gray walls and warmth to the dirt floor. An old calendar, a faded photograph of a relative, a wooden crucifix. The furnishings were modest, a a, a pallet on either side of the room, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove. Can you picture it? Maria's husband had died when Christina was just an infant. The young mother stubbornly refused opportunities to remarry. She got a job and set out to raise her young daughter. And now 15 years later, the worst years were over. Though Maria's salary as a maid offered few luxuries, it was reliable and it did provide food and clothes. And now Christina was even old enough to get a job and help out. Some said Christina got her independence from her mother. She recoiled at the traditional idea of marrying young and raising a family. Not that she couldn't have her pick of a husband. Her olive skin and her brown eyes kept a steady stream of prospects at her door. She had an infectious way of throwing her head back and filling a room with laughter. She also had this rare magic some women have to make every man feel like a king just by being near them. But it was her spirited curiosity that made her keep all men at an arm's length. She spoke often of going to the city. She dreamed of trading her dusty neighborhood for exiting avenues and the city life. Just the thought of this horrified her mother, though, because Maria was always quick to remind Christina of the harshness of the streets of the city. People don't know you there, and and jobs are scarce, and and the life is really cruel. And besides, if you went there, what would you do for a living? Maria knew exactly what Christina would do, or she knew exactly what she would have to do for a living. And that's why her heart broke when she awoke one morning to find her daughter's bed empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone. She also knew immediately what she must do to go and find her. She, she quickly threw on some clothes and threw some in a bag and, and gathered up all of her money, and she ran out of the house. And on her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get a few last-minute things, and one of the things was pictures. She sat in a photograph booth and closed the curtain and spent all that she could 
on pictures. With her purse full of small black and white photos, she, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew that Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search, bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with the reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to them all. And at each place, she left behind a picture taped to a bathroom mirror and tacked on a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner, attached to a phone booth. And on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both money and the pictures ran out and Maria had gone home. The weary mother just wept and began, as she began her long journey to her small village. It was weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her laughter was broken. Her dreams had turned into a nightmare. Thousands of times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for a secure pallet. Yet the village was in too many ways too far gone. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again and, and there in the lobby mirror was a, a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes blurred and her throat tightened. And as she walked across the room, she removed the photo and written on the back was a compelling invitation. It said this, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Just please come home. And the story finishes with two words. It says, she did. I wonder if for some of us this weekend, we could respond to a similar message that is coming from the heart of Jesus. When we read about the prodigal son, so many of us are chasing empty pleasures and Jesus is just going, if you would just come home, it's better. Like I promise you, you're not gonna find what you're looking for. But if you just come back, it's all here. If you're able, would you stand to your feet? <laughs> Friends, Jesus is better. Home is better. And my hope this weekend is that some people might turn around and head home because dad's got food that'll satisfy with every head bowed and every eye closed. I know that there's some people in this room and watching at other locations that have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. They've, they don't know what it's like to return home. They've never felt that feeling of home. They've never been able to get rid of the, the burdens of their shame. They've never been able to leave behind their past. They're just riddled with anxiety and insecurity and depression. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you just want to come home this weekend because Jesus creates a place for you. And I feel like his message is whatever you've done and whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. 
please come home. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's dad, he's boss, he's king, he's ruler, and we believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be saved. In just a minute, I want to pray for us with every head bowed. If you're in here today and you're like, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be forgiven from my sins. The Bible says you get heaven forever on top of life abundantly in the here and now. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, can I, I would just love to pray for you. If you would, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking around. Nobody can see you. Every head is bowed. I see those hands. Come on, Arvada. Come on, Lakewood, Brussels, Austin, God Behind Bars, online. If you're here and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you raise your hand? Amen. You could put those hands down. Some of you are in this place and, and you know that you know that you know that Jesus is real, but you just feel like you've been in this gray area. You can't kick bad patterns. You can't kick sin habits. You can't quite seem to get over some of the things that you thought you should be over at this time. I just want to encourage you. Friends, we sin because we desire it. We like it. And I want to encourage some of you today. I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit might remind you that he is better. And the next time you're tempted to sin, that you would remind yourself, am I going to sell what is profitable? Am I going to sell what is valuable? for temporary pleasure, or am I gonna lean in to the gift that I can only get from my dad? Jesus, in this place, I just wanna thank you, Lord, for the, for the lives that are crossing over from death to life, for people that are making you Lord of their life for the very first time. God, we just thank you for the work that you did upon the cross that allows us to experience this. And God, I pray for every single person in here that is just battling with sin, battling with compromise. Jesus, would you remind them that you are better, that home with you is better. We don't have to run to the plethora of places to find pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment, but Jesus, home is where that is found. Home with you, connection with you, relationship with you is where that is found. God, we thank you that we can experience these things because of what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross. And now, God, it is our absolute honor and pleasure to celebrate, God, those that have come from death to life and those of us that are making a commitment today to go all in with our faith. Red Rocks Church, it is in the precious name of Jesus that we all say Amen. Let's celebrate everybody that just gave their life to Christ for the very first time. Come on, you can do better than that. It says that all of heaven celebrates. Let's worship Jesus.